The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. Brought to you by EBS. Let our dedication, focus and expertise help you on your mortgage journey. EBS DAC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. This is News Talk. You're very welcome along to the third episode of The Home Show. This is Sinead Ryan with News Talk's new programme and podcast. We look at all areas of the home from design and architecture to interiors and everything in between. You can contact the programme by emailing thehomeshow at newstalk.com or find me on Twitter at Sinead underscore Ryan. Now we have with us designer, architect and artist Roisin Murphy. Roisin, it's good to see you. How are you this week? Good, Sinead, good. Now, there was a lot uh, we talked about in the first programme, which is up on podcast if anybody wants to listen to it at newstalk.com, about paint and about colour in general. And it's such a big topic. I mean, I feel if I had you know, a designer like yourself and a builder and maybe even a psychologist, they could all give different aspects to how colour affects us and and how we think about it. But let's look at it from the point of view of colour trends, because in the same way that fashion changes every season, you believe colour does as well. I think colour in particular is changing this season because we've had grey for 10 to 15 years now. And I keep on saying, oh, grey is dead. But I did. I actually phoned MRCB this morning on the way in just to check. And they said, without any prompting, they said grey is on the way out. Grey. But I think people feel very safe with colours like grey or before that magnolia, which seemed to go on for decades, because it does make rooms look bigger and they don't have to think about it. Yeah, and I think also Ireland is a dark colour. It is generally not a bright Spanish colour. It is, we have, you know, overcast days. So painting and adding a lot of colour into your house, it's far more risky than it would be if you were living in Greece and you paint everything beautiful blues and everything reflects Mm. the light because colour reflects light. So it's complex here. But I also feel it's to do again, like with the recession, things are changing. People are saying, I'll spend money on painting the living room because they're not as nervous as they were. They're not as frightened of spending money. Okay, so if you're prepared to kind of take that little bit of risk, and it's not always a huge amount of money just to paint a room. It's a very simple thing to do. What's in? What's not? Well, you've told us what's not. What should they be buying? (laughs) Okay, well, interestingly enough, what seems to be in is a kind of ironic thing because it's like a half baby step into painting your world another colour. Painting ceilings, painting half a wall, not painting the full room. It's again, the bit of the nervous Nelly is going on and people are, you'll see it where they drop They paint the entire ceiling one colour and maybe a foot down into the top edge of the room as well. So you're not talking about now brilliant white on the ceiling. Oh no, no, we're talking about a dark colour or a prune colour or maybe a blue colour. This is a big trend at the moment, especially say on something like a period ceiling where you have a lot of coving or architraves. It can look absolutely stunning. A natural height, because if you're in your average three bed semi, isn't that going to make it look, you know, a lot (laughs) smaller? It could make it a hell of a lot smaller, the uh, aspect of the shrinking room. Now, I haven't tested it in a three-bed semi and I would love to do it, but I have tested the half wall. 
The half wall actually oddly is one of those things where it's nearly like a mini skirt. It makes the legs grow longer. It is a bizarre thing what it does. So describe that to us then because I don't think listeners and, and certainly not me I don't understand what you mean by a half wall. Are you painting the wall different colours? You're painting the wall different colours. You might have a completely neutral as you correctly you know as described at the beginning of this that it's easier to paint an entire space one colour it makes it brighter but you want to introduce a bit of colour you go to dado height which you may remember from say a Victorian or Georgian house was where just up to the line of the top of a woman's waist or, or the 1980s hip. it was a big, <laughs> a big trend in your you know suburban house was yeah. to have this kind of like dado rail it going was, it, it was I mean I'm, wallpaper on t- stripy wallpaper stri- on one half and the paint are you saying that's bang back on. in now? No I'm no. not right. <laughs> but it is the height so what we're doing is we are painting the lower half a colour and you might put a bed up against it it's, it can look very very effective in a very dramatic colour like a strong colour. It's not for kind of mid-tones, which we would have had in the 80s where they would have done, you know, two tones of white. This is for like a bold blue at the bottom and a pink on top or something. Your favourite football team? or <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Like, you know, it's going to look a bit... You have to be careful though. You can't just pick any two colours, can you? I think it really is. I think if you're going to do it, you would have an eye for colour, but I wouldn't be afraid of putting in a big clash of the ash. I just think anything is in at the moment. Even stripes, where you put it like... It's just that band of interest of colour a bit like a painting Right I don't know I'm not convinced I suppose because I can't see it in my head although the studio here is a very fetching black and red (laughs) so it's more kind of ladies boudoir than it is it is is exactly that maybe a little bit lower it depends what what you're going to do with it whether you're going to put a table up against it now it's very practical a dining room table up against a wall in a small space and if you do say the bottom half in a gloss it means it's clean you're not showing the dirt so there's a lot of a, there's a lot of doubling up of functions there as well. Or if you want to put a bed up against the wall and you don't want a bed head. So it's clever too. It can be used in a very clever way. Now, if you're not putting up the dado rail because that's out, right? That's out. Then you're going to need a fierce, steady hand to get around bit the... Of masking tape, Sinead. Bit right. of masking okay. tape. Or pinned. maybe just a painter in. I think <laughs> is where I'd be going with that. Okay. So that's the half paint walls. And is the, where did that come from? Is that another Scandinavian kind no, of No, a... I don't think so. I think it really is a sort of a New York diner thing. It's very much in oh, a hipster right. thing where people are paint... They're improvising where they haven't had money and it's just coming into the mainstream now. And is there a rule about whether the lighter colour goes on top or on the bottom? I think there are no rules at the moment, hence the ceiling being painted out as well. The only thing with us, again, I would constantly remind people, you know, check the light in your room first because everything is out the window if you're in a north-facing room. Like, it just changes completely. Right, and actually that's the other thing because, you know, when you're going in to buy paint and you kind of think you're sensible and you get the little colour pots... I sometimes find they can look totally different when you actually put them up in the wall than they look on the front of the tin. Yes. So, like, it's also going to be different at different times of the day and the aspect of your house. How are you going to know you have it right? I think that's the brilliant thing about colour pots because if you were to buy a whole two or three litres, you would be in big trouble. So you buy a small pot and test it on the walls because light impacts colour hugely. Right, OK. And those colour pots now, I've noticed of late, they don't give them away for free anymore. <laughs> you actually have to buy them. Maybe people yes, were going in and, you and do, but they're very taking hand- more samples. They are very handy as well, where you can get a colour that you would be terrified of painting an entire room in and you can paint it that colour. 
Okay, and I see that you have brought me some colour pots in today. Uh, we're speaking with Roisin Murphy, our interior designer today, for anybody who's just tuning in. Roisin, this is an Irish brand, Curator. This is Curator. They very kindly contact us after the last piece on paint and said, do you know about our new bespoke Irish range that we are launching? And they sent us these beautiful samples of now, paint. So I have one here now. It's quite a substantial size pot. It's not yeah. like that little fiddly thing with the brush no. in it. You know, so these are these are actually quite pretty by themselves. They're, they're, they're really pretty. They're like poster paints. Yeah, maybe they're really pretty. There was a big a, a big rush on these in my house for my daughter. She was like, that's mine. I'll have that, please. Yeah. But that's a... So that's a, that's a decent amount because what yeah. it means is that you could put that up and it would, it would fill a square metre or something yes. like that so you get a much better sense. Yeah. And then they, okay. you also have the possibility of painting a panel and moving it around the house to see what you think of the colours. Oh, in I see, lights. on a piece of yes. wood or something yes. like that. Yeah. Their colour booklet, you know, one of these concertina booklets, I'm sure all the listeners ha- have seen them down in paint shops and that. And uh, to me, to be honest now, they all begin to merge and they all look the same. <laughs> and I can't tell one from the other. But I see from this one you've brought in, which is which is this curator one, that the names Unlike the ones we were talking about in the very first episode, the names here are actually quite sensible. Now, they are a bit funny. I mean, they're always a bit funny. Dublin Bay Prawn. But you know what? When I say that, that colour that I'm looking at, which is kind of that orangey cooked prawn, you you can actually see what that's supposed to look like. Fairy cakes. Now, there are funny ones. Honeymoon hiking. Well, I mean, that's kind of like a... (laughs) cerise pink kind of thing to me rustling leaves so you know that's an autumnal thing and it looks like an oak leaf in the autumn Uh, so quite good names there like I'm not even going to ask you who makes these things up I can't believe it's a whole job but (laughs) what are you looking for in a big long like there's hundreds of them here I think you have to know what you are looking for in a way and I think that part of that is knowing colours you like rather than being told by anybody me included what paint is in you choose you then hence the brilliance of the half wall if you if you have you know if you're married to somebody who only wants anything white you have a half wall of pink for yourself and what is going to influence you if you don't know if you can't make your mind up and you're just thinking light grey or magnolia what should you be influenced by I would break it down to colour theory if in doubt bring in science now not being boring about it, but yellow has certain connotations, red has certain connotations and think about the function of the room and think about how you what you want to happen in the room. And there's no point in in painting a kid's bedroom bright yellow if you want them to sleep at night Mm. because it's an energising colour. So you're starting with emotions then. I would start with emotions and I would start with sometimes I think as well for those of us born in certain periods, you will have a reaction to a colour regardless. It will remind you of school. It will remind you of, you know, the, the first chairs. Car. First car. <laughs> first car could be good, but school chair, you know, the yellow painted school chair can just bring up awful memories. So I think be emotional about your paint colours, but with it, apply reservedly. Mm-hmm. Unless you are completely convinced, I know navy is in and that back living room is going navy and all the accessories are, unless you're quite confident about colour and Word of warning to all you ladies out there and men are frequently colourblind. So it is a dominant right, female. I think all col- the ladies out there probably know that by now. <laughs> <laughs> she, peach is a fruit, right? 
Okay, so there are subtleties at play that yeah. maybe you might have to explain. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Green, brown, and I think... They'll it, be used to that. They'll be... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so are we done then with... There's no such thing then as a timeless colour anymore. Is there anything that you could be absolutely certain you'd just be... Play it safe? Mm. I mean, if you were... Say you were decorating an apartment to let or you just didn't want to be offensive or you're you know, your granny's house. I think white is a universal appeal. I think Steve Jobs, when he went researching white, wasn't wrong. It reflects colour. It's extremely neutral and it means innocence. It comes with its own brand. And I remember as a very young designer, there had been a revolution in carpet design and basically you could put any pattern you wanted into carpet and meeting a lovely lady on Mount Street and telling her we were going to put this incredibly patterned carpet into Brown Thomas. And she turned around to me and said, they will never, ever put a patterned carpet into the cosmetic hall of Brown Thomas. It's not happening. And I went, really? Because there's all this new technology. She said, plain greys always. OK, so something elegant that will show off so what it is a you classic colour. Think about car interiors, camel, navy, grey is a classic one, regardless of what anybody tells you. It's classic. You can't go wrong. And say, you know, the emerald, the deep jaguar blue. Mm. These are all classic colours. So they can be neutral, but be dark at the same time. Yeah. And magnolia is back in. Oh, good. Yes. Flat colours of of the world. Excellent. Excellent. Reunite. Now, there's another thing I want to talk to you about briefly, and that's about adding texture with the colour. So something like wallpaper. Now, lots of people like this idea of, say, just uh, the panels on either side of the fireplace, maybe in a wallpaper or one wall as a feature wall. Is that still being done? What should people go for there? I think with wallpaper, it is one area where spend a lot of money. You know, the more money you spend on the print, the longer it lasts, the more impact it has. You can tell cheap wallpaper, can, can you? Unfortunately, mm. it, okay. it only takes the day and you're there going, I, just, I, I really want to take that down. I would go really, really expensive. And again, it's a huge trendy thing at the moment. Big floral, you know, big, bold wallpapers are back in. Oh, you can And if you're only buying the one roll or the two rolls, yeah. it's not like you're buying it for the whole. No. Is that and then there's, there's also a thing called decoupage where you can actually apply wallpaper onto furniture. And that's a that is a beautiful thing. Now it's a bit time consuming. It's not arts and craftsy. Arts and craftsy, yeah. but it ha- can have an awful lot of impact as well. Okay. And then the other thing you mentioned is the area of wood panelling. Now, you see, when I think of wood panelling, I'm thinking of a Jacobean mansion or <laughs> something like that. I'm not sure I want that in my house. How do you make it look? Just nice and trendy without well, taking I, over. I double checked this one uh, with Orla up in MRCB because I thought, am I going nuts? But no, the painting of panels and textures is a big thing in colour at the moment. Where you will pick a bold colour, maybe a navy or an emerald green. You will panel out with battens on your wall or add texture and paint the whole thing out. I love the idea. I mean, it's very kind of Maine or New England to kind of have those have that half wall in in wooden panels. Oh, Can you buy those yeah. panels, or do you just do you have to get something build it, tack it on? Yeah, tack on with the gift hammer and pin it up. Just cheap wood, just and then cheap paint wood. It it's in the a painting, mat. and it it is that thing where I think there's been an explosion in interior design over architectural interiors, if you know what I mean. The idea of getting the architect in, although it can be very expensive and prohibitive, so people are doing things to their own homes. Mm. So that sort of having fun okay. with your mansion. Right. <laughs> lots, lots of options there. It can look like an Elizabethan manor house in Kulak. <laughs> <laughs> uh, OK, thank you for that. Uh, we're talking to Roisin Murphy, our interior architect and designer. Now, Roisin, uh, each week now you've brought us in what we're calling an object of design. Mm. Uh, what, ha- what beautiful 
um, delicate object have you brought in for me today? I have brought in something. You cued this one for me, Sinead, because on the first one of our pieces, you said to me that cleaning is the new interiors. And I said, I think you're not wrong. And I went around to article and I found this. <gasps> OK. <This is>. <laughs> 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 OK. Have a go of that, Sinead. Let me now try. And, OK, this is the most gigantic. I, I can only, I don't know what to call it. I'm going to call it an enormous, out of proportion feather duster. Mm, it's for your Jacobean <laughs> mansion in Kula. That's it. Uh, so it's on a very long pole, which I presume is extendable it, it in extend, and out. It extends right up to, I would say, you know, five metres. Right. It's German. So you're going to get all those cobwebs yeah. that have been sitting there for centuries. And it, I tested it this week on my into the crevices of the attic. I just wanted to see does it really work because um, the lads are saying to me in an article that it's brilliant because it doesn't build up static. So there's a problem apparently with synthetic feather dusters. This one is made from ostrich plumes. And you can tell they are ostrich plumes. Now they're they're brown and they are the softest. Yeah, they're they beautiful. Really are, yeah. They would not be out of place on a hat you know, if you were going to a wedding, you actually, there's a dual function. Now. I'm always practical. Take them out and stick them in your hat and then put them back in. They are absolutely fabulous. I'm I'm really, I'd be reluctant to stick that in my attic. But um, I have to say it, it is, is a little piece of art. It's an, a little piece of art and it really is. You'll see everywhere in town at the moment. It's full of kind of bespoke handled cleaners, you know, where, you know, you're scrubbing bush, suddenly they are all in vogue. So your duster is suddenly a part of your interiors arsenal. Fantastic. And okay, the, where do, where does somebody get this then? That's from Article down in Powers Court. And I brought another little bit of whimsy for you. This is, now this, everybody has been talking about fringing. So mm-hmm. I just brought a little piece in and um, this is from Cloth. And you can see it's a good length. Yeah, well, it it looks like um, just a piece off the skirt of, say, a 1920s flapper girl's dress. What does one do with this in the home? Well, you generally put it around your poofet. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what's going on. Uh, The chair is huge at the moment and the poofet frill is huge. But I've also used it around uh, the edge of a ceramic lamp. Oh, okay. it's quite Victorian it's then. It's quite Victorian retro. and retro, yeah. but okay. um, a very big trend. And their pink had completely sold out when I went to look for a piece for the show. Um, okay. So, But it's very, very nice with not with your traditional kind of um, 1970s denim jacket, but with a piece of furniture or underneath um, a sofa. Just at the edge. Okay. Well, look, I'll post photographs of that and the enor- if I can fit uh, the enormous uh, feather, ostrich feather duster. Absolutely fabulous. I think that'll make a great wedding present, actually, for somebody. It'll uh, be lovely. Yes. Um, the husband. The, obviously, because he, he won't be have to worry about the colours on the wall then <laughs> if he's doing that. Okay. We leave it there now. We have some questions in from our listeners because uh, we invited them uh, last week. We've got loads of, uh, I I would call them eclectic issues that have arisen. So you're going to be an expert in everything here uh, and we'll we'll see what, what we can address for people. Margaret, Margaret has been on. She says, I'm thinking of putting a polished concrete floor into my open plan kitchen living room. What would be the pros and cons? Now, I have seen these in situ. I I have to confess, I don't like them. I think they're very factory floor looking. What do you think? I'm I'm not normally on trend for any of this stuff, so I'm probably wrong. Concrete floors are on trend, but bigger than concrete floors are terrazzo floors, where you have the concrete concrete mixed with a dye and a bit of marble aggregate to soften it up a bit. What I would say to you is 
concrete is very hard to get right in a house cast in the floor. You need an expert contractor. He's going to have to add polymers to it and resin so it moves because everything you shift on the earth moves. So cracking happens and people get very upset because they're looking for this perfect floor and it's very difficult to get right. Uh, Very good for underfloor heating. Nice warm slab of concrete, but it's a hard look. It's a hard you know, I love it, but it's I'm an architect, so architects tend to put it everywhere. They've made the kitchen counters out of it. They rise it up the edges of the wall. We love a good slab of concrete. Right. Well, if you if you also uh, fancy a slab of concrete, Margaret, uh, expert advice seems to be the, the way to yes, go there. It's not expert, a DIY job. It's certainly not. It's, no. a, it's an expert contractor, a, a, you know, a guy who's really confident using concrete. Yeah. OK. Um, Cloda has asked whether fake plants ever look good in a house. She said she's not very green fingered. She loves the colour of plants and having them in. Well, Cloda, I kill pretty much everything I put in a pot, so I'd be with you. But I, mm, fake plants, they always look fake, don't they? they do. I mean, you have to spend a lot of money. Silk, silk flowers is the way to go and they can be really, really expensive. But you need really good quality ones. You know, spend the price of a bouquet on one flower and then they will last the the length of time you want, which is a lifetime. But I'm, I'm not convinced. I would say paintings of flowers or anything other than the old, because they act mm. as dust collectors then. Then, mm. you know, they fade and there's something really sad. They remind me a little bit of wreaths. You remember the le- wreaths in the plastic bubble? That's it. And you really don't want that in your no, house. So no, so I would say try and think or else introduce colour by the use of, uh, there's, you know, like feathers, for instance. I know that we've been on earlier mm. about it, but even bird feathers or, you know, little bits of glass and things, other ways of introducing colour other than just plants. Because they, they just always look yeah, as if you just didn't punt out for the real thing. A ceramic, ceramic plants, though, are a big trend this season. Ceramic? Ceramic oh, right. plants. Okay, like yes, big I've seen cer- some of yeah, those. Ceramic cacti or alternatively what we were talking about earlier on, which would be a nice botanical wallpaper would be lovely. And then she can have, it'll be completely, the neighbours won't be horrified. Yeah. OK, uh, Betty has a north facing kitchen and she wants to try and make it a little bit brighter. She said, I spend a lot of time there uh, in the winter and the quality of the light is really cold. Now, when we're talking about paint, uh, you know, and how it can look different on different walls, it's down to the light, isn't it? It is really down to the light and the north and north facing kitchen is tricky. I know people who've moved houses because of it. So I would uh, hesitate to say this, but I would ask her, is there any way she can knock down between the kitchen and the front room? Because they're all, I mean, the kitchen doesn't doesn't usually exist on its own. So get the nice warm light that's coming in from the other end of the house. Or put a glass uh, door between the kitchen and any other connecting rooms and uh, good lighting. You can use daylight bulbs. They have a different... um, type of light so it's a much brighter light and then don't go with a dark paint trend just mm. just be careful glossy surfaces to reflect light you know I would almost say white 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 oh right okay and then use your colour pops yeah and glass not, and, and don't be afraid of a mirror either okay okay Right, Betty. So uh, see if you can knock down that wall. And if not, uh, <laughs> lots of light and bright colours. Don't forget to get uh, an engineer. White, white is back in. Uh, now we have Sarah uh, who says she's having damp issues in one corner of her kitchen. It's an external wall. She had insulation put in the outside of the house and she says this cured other damp issues. But this one keeps coming back. This sounds like uh, a professional job. Yeah, damp store or an equivalent damp expert to come in and have a look at that. 
Okay. That is, right. could be a broken DPC or a, mem- a membrane, but she needs somebody it needs, expert in. It's going to keep coming back. It's not going to yep. fix by itself. And in fact, you might even be insured for it uh, if, if it's something that needs to be fixed once and for all. Okay, we'll leave it there. Roisin Murphy, uh, our interior designer uh, and artist who's been with us today. You'll find her on Instagram at Roisin Murphy Design. Uh, and thank you once again for coming in. It's a pleasure, Sinead. Thank you very much. The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. Brought to you by EBS. Let our dedication, focus and expertise help you on your mortgage journey. EBS DAC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. This is News Talk. This is Sinead Ryan with you on The Home Show on News Talk. You can contact us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com or find me on Twitter at Sinead underscore Ryan. We're moving now to a sensitive topic, that of older people in need of care. Now, look, nursing homes are expensive and even having home carers into the house can cost an awful lot of money. So to look at a different option, a new way of doing it, we're joined now by Saoirse Sheridan. She's founder of Elder Home Share. Saoirse, you're very welcome to the programme. Thank you, Sinead. Tell us a little bit about what you do and how you got started. So what I do is I bring families together with people who are looking for accommodation. Just say you have a mum living in the house on her own. She's in her 80s or 90s and maybe she had a fall or she's worried about being there in the house at night. We help you find somebody to live with your mum in the house to provide companionship and support. So for the person who moves in, it's low cost living. And for you, it's peace of mind. And for your mum or dad, company in the house, security at night and somebody to help out. Now, how does that differ from the agencies that provide uh, home carers? So how it would differ is that the person who moves in is not a carer. They're not a professional carer. I home share myself. I lived with David for two years. He's now 99 and in a nursing home. And now I'm with Eileen, who will be 90 this year. I'm a secure presence, bit of company, somebody to put the bins out, change the fuse, do a bit of shopping. And how what I've learned is actually we really complement care in the home. We don't replace it. We're not looking to replace it, but we complement it and reduce the need for, say, just say, having care in the night if it's not really needed. A home share companion can be an adequate fit. So it seems to me then if you're going to find that right mix that the person, the elderly person in the home couldn't be too dependent on care. They, you, you wouldn't do things like um, hoisting or incontinence wear or even looking after medications and things like that. So it's for somebody maybe who just needs that a bit more than a companion. Is that right? Yeah, no, we, w- we wouldn't do those those kind of tasks because obviously you need a trained professional. But from my own experience, having lived it and the feedback I get is that we're a great complement to it. And if a family's going, oh, my God, mum really needs somebody in the house at night. And the cost of having a carer stay in just to sleep there is really like we kind of fit a stage in the ageing process. So, for example, with David, who I lived with for two years from 96 to 98, I was there Then it got to a stage where he really needed much more support and he's now in a nursing home. He's actually really happy there. So that's really nice, nice to see. And do you feel then that the work you did with David or or being that care sharer, I suppose, delayed maybe his entry into a nursing home? Do families see it like that? It does. It prolongs time at home. And for him to have me in the house, I mean, when I was there with him, he fell four times. And on each occasion I was able to intervene. 
But the final fall, his medical team were like, David, you can't go home now. So he had to go through that transition. Obviously, staying at home until 98 is a very long time. Uh, so it does, it prolongs time at home and it supports the homeowner and it also complements care in the home. All of my homeowners would tend to have care in the home and I would actually, if somebody is in their 80s or 90s, I'd encourage it because to leave a home share companion in there just with the homeowner could be too much of a burden. Mm. And I suppose it's a great comfort then to families who may not live nearby uh, to know that there's somebody there if, if there was a fall. Tell us a little bit about your day or your week with Eileen, who you are with now. How, how does that work out? What do you do with her, for her? And how is the relationship? Well, I met Eileen on the 3rd of October and I needed to move on the 4th of October and she met me, she liked me, her family liked me. And she said to me, so when are you thinking to move in? Would it be three to four weeks? And I said, no, I'm actually looking to move tomorrow. So she was a little <laughs> bit taken aback, but she let me move in. And I can honestly say uh, Eileen actually cheers me up. I'm there to support her, but she's so upbeat and dynamic and independent and out every day at bridge or with her family or doing this or doing that. She's actually given me a boost as well. But the kind of things I would do for her and what the family wanted is they really just wanted me to be there as a secure presence. And as a business owner and entrepreneur, I I set out from the start. You know, I tend to be out from about nine in the morning to nine at night. Would that work for you? And the family and Eileen were like, that's great. We don't want you under my feet. We kind of just want somebody here for security at night. So things we would do together is we sit and watch Brexit together. Brexit, Eileen is very keen to follow that story. So, you know, I'm getting an education and occasionally, you know, I might steal a few of her prunes from the fridge and she stole a bit of my barley last night. So there's a bit of banter and uh, we were out for dinner one night. She brought me out for dinner for my birthday and I'm I'm really, really grateful to be there. I do. I pinch myself with how lucky I am. And I guess where we really complement each other. We're talking with Saoirse Sheridan from Elder uh, Home Share, an organisation which matches up uh, elderly people who, who are in need of companion care uh, with uh, people who live with them. Um, tell me, Saoirse, is does money exchange hands here? Is there a charge involved? Yeah, so the fee, the fee to the family, say you came to me and said, oh, I'd love somebody in with my my mum, the fee to you would be €950. Euro. And what we do is that we get you a match then. And it is an online business because I'm trying to scale this around the country. So I would send you a few profiles. You come back to me, you go, we really like um, Sandra's, Mary's and Josephine's profile. You meet them for a cup of coffee in Bewley's, you have a chat. Instinctively, you're going to feel this is the right fit. It's not the right fit. You come back to me, you say, Mary seems like the perfect fit and we do the reference check for you. So then Mary would move in for a month. All going well, it continues. And the Home Share Companion pays a monthly fee to my agency and they make a monthly fee to your family of €75. So it cancels out the cost. You have somebody there in the house. It's cheaper than having a carer stay in the house a lot cheaper and it's a real win-win. So is there a cost that associated because you obviously have the carer um, getting free accommodation or or do they get lodgings or what are it there? Well, I, I mean, the companion would get 
access, you know, they'd have their own room, they'd access to facilities, but they're making a time commitment of eight hours a week, say five hours social contact and three hours practical help. They're committing to sleep in the house five to six nights a week. They wouldn't just not come home if they were going away, if they were having a weekend away. They'd let you know so you can put something in place. So that where it, that's where it would differ to renting a room out. So would it work? Would it suit somebody like a student who uh, is attending lectures and needs somewhere to live, but but is there? I mean, how would it work out if they wanted to have friends in or had their own social life, or or do you, does it allow for that? Well, there's quite a robust home share agreement to protect the family and to protect the companion. And for example, I might have a guest over once once a month for a snack, but I do my socialising outside of the house and I'm out at work during the day. And I think we always think it's going to be students, but I've done 56 placements today and most of them are female working professionals. It's not so many students. Mm. Okay, so maybe maybe women who have brought up their children or are child free and just want that uh, some a little bit different to do and somewhere to somewhere to live. Yeah, I get. I mean, with the rental crises, the the demographic would be female, say between twenty seven and forty seven, single and don't have children. Okay. And what kind of temperament now would you need to have to That's, successfully do this? Yeah, job? I love that question. Uh, setting out, obviously, I was going, okay, you want somebody who's kind, responsible, reliable, trustworthy. And the fifth aspect of a character I'd look for based on having home shared myself and learned this is that you want somebody who's patient. Mm, okay. And, and genuinely wants to do it and, and feel they're going to get something from it, I presume. Yeah, and that's another good question because when I'd send you the profiles to review, you're really going to get a sense of whether, oh, this person just wants cheap rent or, hey, this person volunteered with Friends of the Elderly or they lived with their granny. So you really pick up on their motivation. Okay, so you're like, it sounds to me you're like an old-fashioned matchmaker. It's a bit like a dating agency, isn't it? It's a little bit like that. And I do. I used to introduce single people to each other in a past life. Oh, really? So you've brought that ahead now and I you're doing different this, relationships. Yeah, and this is much more successful and a lot easier. On a more serious note, uh, I, I mean, are the companions uh, guard vetted? Do families look for that? Uh, we hear a lot in the news, unfortunately, about things like elder financial abuse, um, with, with people who are in these care roles. I presume you have a vetting process for all of that. Yes. Yeah, so how, how the reference check would work is that we would, when you've met your match who you want to move in with, say, one of your parents, is that we do the reference check at that stage. We get three references, employer, university, maybe somewhere they study. We ring all the references and then we share that data with you so you get a really good sense of their character. And we can do guard of vetting for you as well. Okay, and look, what if it doesn't work out? All relationships are tricky. They don't always gel. I'm sure. Is there a lead-in period? Is there a cooling-off period? You know, what's in place for that? So what we have in place for that is that we have the one-month testing month, and after week one, I'd always ring the family and the companion to check in to see how everything is going. And then again at the end of month one. So, yes, it doesn't always work. It's a relationship based model. But thankfully, the majority of the time it does. And if it doesn't, you can just very nicely say, hey, you know, give the companion notice and they will move on. 
Okay, well, look, that sounds like a very interesting solution to one of our biggest dilemmas, which is accommodation for some people uh, and uh, caring for the elderly. That's Saoirse Sheridan, founder of Elder Home Share. I presume you have a website? I do. It's elderhomeshare.ie. Great. Okay, thanks for coming in with us today. Thank you. The Home Show on News Talk. Brought to you by EBS. The Mortgage Masters. EBS DAC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. This is Sinead Ryan back with you on The Home Show on News Talk. We're joined now by estate agent Lorraine Mulligan. Uh, Lorraine is from Remax Results in Lucan. Thank you for joining us today. Now, you have a particular, what would say, speciality or emphasis on home staging. That's, well, you tell us what it's all about. Thank you, Sinead. It's wonderful to be here with you and thank you for the opportunity. Basically, home staging is exceptionally important when people decide to place their property in the market because we never get a second chance to make the first impression. So home staging is very, very important because buyers comparative shop and people are in the middle of a price war and a beauty contest. So the prettiest houses get the most money. So it's really, really important that people present their houses properly for sale because it does make a huge difference, Sinead. Now, we kind of have a sense at the moment with the housing market so strained and, and so dysfunctional that houses are just being snapped up. Does it really matter if you, you know, prettify it before? Do you think people maybe can't see past other people's faults or is there a little bit of subterfuge going on? The market is very, very good at the moment with certain priced properties. However, Sinead, if they're, if they're presented properly, they are definitely getting more money than another house that's maybe not as much effort has been put into for home staging. And I do appreciate, I'm a mum of three, I do appreciate that people are very, very busy with work, working and uh, busy lifestyles, but it's really important that people make an effort when they do decide to put their house in the market because it makes a phenomenal difference to the price they actually end up achieving. So tell me what you mean then when you talk about staging. What, what are the kind of things that people should be doing if they're putting their house up for sale? First of all, Sinead, I'd start with curb appeal. Okay, so a lot of people do a drive-by before they decide to do a viewing on a property. So it's really important that their cobblock driveway is clean, their windowsills are painted if they have lovely shiny granite that it's brought up to its lovely former glory. Uh, The front door is very, very important. The letterbox, the knocker on the door, the doorbell, the window, especially now with the sun beginning to shine, this is a bit of a stretch in the evenings, uh, dirty windows become more apparent. Um, It's very important that PVC face and soffits are cleaned because a lot of times um, we can see where there's literally moss and um, plants growing in the in the gutters uh, so it's really important that they're all cleaned out as well because people will make a decision if they're going to view a property they'll see it online and then they'll drive by the house it's called a curb curb crawl um, viewing and then if they like what they see then they will organise a viewing Okay and then once you get inside the door what kind of things can you do to make your house look a little bit better? Yeah well first of all Sinead the front door is really important uh, that has to be spotless obviously the front door opens nice fresh welcome home mat the floor is nice and shiny if you have timber floors and they're very tired I would recommend getting them sanded down and varnished really important that the carpet and the stairwell is not too worn it pays dividends just to replace it even with a cheaper carpet to freshen it up the walls are nice and fresh as well without you know marks on the walls and things like that light switches clean alarm key panel clean bulbs working in hall lamps in light fittings and then if you recess lighting make sure that the bulbs aren't blown cobwebs gone this is just so important because we love to see people doing well and this is how you're going to do it so it's a real spring clean now 
I'm looking at houses myself at the moment because I'm in the buyer's market. Uh, It's pretty hard. And you're going into other people's houses and you're looking. I mean, it is very difficult because I'm staging my own home at the moment. And you have children's clothing, you have toys, you've bicycles, you've clutter, you've you've maybe your kitchen groceries, your fridge full. It's very, very hard just to keep everything away. It takes an awful lot of time, doesn't it? It does, Jane. It's tough. It is tough. But we have to speculate to accumulate. <laughs> and it's important to put in a little little bit of an effort. So I'd say to any mum on the run like you and me, I think it's very important that, you know, if you do decide to sell your house, get a good deep, deep clean, get it decluttered because it makes it so much easier for you than when you go to view. The kitchen obviously is very, very important where hygiene reigns supreme. So uh, make sure you get your oven cleaned because everybody, a lot of buyers actually look in the oven door. People can open your fridge door as well. Make sure your countertops are all washed down and nice and neat and non-greasy. That your sinks are sparkling, taps are sparkling, the floors are sparkling. And what kind of impression is that giving somebody? Because I, like, I know when you're buying a house, the first thing you're thinking about is, actually, I'm going to change all that. I'm going to knock down that wall. I'm going to have a different tile here. Do you really believe that just keeping it that clean, just people don't see past that and they think maybe if you're if you're a bit untidy, maybe you haven't looked after your house or... or what is that sense going on? I think now with people being so busy, I fully appreciate where you're coming from, but with people being so busy now, people are tired. A lot of times there's two people working in a house. You, Sinead, if it's your second or third home, you're a trader upper, so you need 20% deposit to go down. So you're a busy lady, your mum in the run like myself. So you want to move into a house that at least is clean. Now, if you have to change tiles or carpets or flooring in time, you will do that, but you just want to move in with your bags and be able to settle down and relax. And I always think it's very important to live in a house before you start changing it around. But I think if if the house is clean, you've got such a start over. You just get a feeling about you it, do, do you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, of course, there's a tipping point whereby, I mean, you're talking about maybe change the carpet if it's very worn on the stairs. But to what extent are you going to go? Because if you're going to start repainting everything and changing the carpet, uh, like, are you going to get your money back? You're an estate agent, you're selling all the time. Do people get their money back? There has to be a finite price per street or per house. I, I agree with you. What I would say say to people, yes, they do, provided they don't go and spend like crazy money on a very expensive carpet. Like you can do it on a budget. You can do it cheaply, but very tastefully. But it is really important to do it, especially the market has been going up and up and up and up and up. And we none of us know when it's going to start going down. A lot of people feel that maybe it's kind of come near the top now. So it's very important to anybody selling, they get as much as they can, as quick as they can. And this makes a difference. Now, I know in certain parts of the country and in cities uh, and indeed in rural areas, uh, a lot of the homes on the market at any one time are what are termed executor sales. So these may be homes where elderly people lived or maybe haven't lived for a long time. They might have been in a nursing home. Yeah. The houses now would be probably on the shabby side of old fashioned. Yeah. To what extent is it worthwhile? I mean, look, everybody knows, you know, what kind of house it is. You walk in, you see that, you know, awful spirally sticky carpet and an old scullery in the back. Is it worth getting in a new kitchen, boiler, carpets, curtains or just say, do you know what, I'll take the hit in the price and just sell it as it is? It depends on the vendors and it depends on the people who are selling the property. And I appreciate with an executor's sale, it, there's huge emotion to, attached to it because obviously somebody has lost somebody they love. So I think it, it can only really be dealt with on a case-by-case scenario. And I, obviously, if anybody ever wants to contact me, it'll rain at teamrain.e. I'll always help and advise them. Uh, it depends on the property. It depends on the price range. And it depends on the location. Um, sometimes with properties like that, I say, look, we've got to do our best with it and just smarten up the gardens, tighten them up, have the place decluttered. It's very, very important as well um, that people are aware that if a house 
is unfurnished. It doesn't got, get the same amount of money. It's not as attractive as a house that's unfurnished. Really? Yeah, it's extraordinary. Why? Because it just looks vacant and it doesn't look as if you people can't see in their head where they'd put yeah, things? Yeah, they can't visualise furniture in in rooms and with all due respect to gentlemen women make a decision if a house is going to be bought or sold so it's really important that the house is sparsely furnished even if it's old furniture if it's an extra sale I would highly recommend not people for people not to pull everything out of it it's kind of like a little a little girl buying a dollhouse it looks nothing without the furniture in it or um a young boy with a castle and soldiers it looks so much better with the soldiers in it. So even though you might feel well look everything's cleared out of Mammy's house now and it looks bigger as a result that's yeah. n- you're saying that's not the case? No I'd sparsely sparsely furnished and this is from 19 years of experience definitely a little bit of furniture makes all the difference but not too much furniture and it's very important to, to personalise as well take you know pictures of family down and that's that's really important of course. too. And where are you at now? Uh, you know you sometimes hear that you should have bread in the oven or you know coffee roasting yeah. you can go to a little can it be a little cliched or is that a good idea? Sometimes you can overtry as well. Like I mean, what I will say, smell is very important and it's lovely. It is the smell of home baking. My God, you can't beat it. The smell of fresh brew coffee is just gorgeous. But a lot of times we're dealing with the male and the female are out working. They have children. They're busy. All I'd say, if you can't get round to doing that, just have the place clean and warm. Yeah, or maybe even just a scented candle and you just blow it out before people arrive or, you know, might create a little bit of atmosphere or something. It, like what I'd say, some of the scented candles can not smell very well and sometimes buyers feel that the vendor is hiding something. So I'm kind of against the scented candles. Okay. A little bit of potty puree maybe would be nice. Just simplicity sells, you know, less okay. is more. I say Coco okay. Chanel, just simplicity, you know. Bowl of fruit. And Bowl of fruit, few, yeah. A few flowers. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. Okay. Well, thank you for helping us all get a little bit more money for our house. That is Lorraine Mulligan, a state agent with Remax Results in Lucan. Uh, Lorraine, thank you so much for joining us today. That's lovely, Sinead. Thank you for your time. Well, that's it for this episode of the Home Show podcast. We'll be up on iTunes and other players shortly, but for now you can find us on Newstalk.com. My thanks to all my guests and I'll talk to you again soon. The Home Show on Newstalk. Brought to you by EBS, the Mortgage Masters. EBS DAC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.